The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 19. I'm one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, from the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host with the most, Mr Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Bright and early on a Saturday morning. Yeah, this is how we're rolling now. None of this nighttime cramming podcasts or that it's first thing in the morning and nice set your alarm get up <laughs> set your alarm to get up to talk about nasties exactly and so what you've been up to is uh your assault course have you recovered from that uh, yeah yeah um i i will be honest in the first five minutes i twisted my ankle oh shit uh and then had an hour and 55 minutes to like go it was grueling. It really, really was grueling. And I think it's not until you do, like, one of these sort of physical assault courses until you actually realise the training you would have to do that you probably would never have done. Yeah, so, of yeah, course, cool. I was I was, I was focusing on running. So I I'd been jo- jogging at the gym and stuff like that. But that's, that's all you do between obstacles. The obstacles <laughs> yeah. are all upper body strength, endurance. Okay. Um, you know, things that I don't really do at all. So, mm. what, what, and oh, every second trap was a mud trap that was up to your waist. You had to pull yourself through mud, which God. got progressively thicker. Your feet were stuck. It was like quicksand. And, and but it's cold so, as well. Yeah, oh, well, it's Scotland. So, of course it was cold. Um, and it was raining. It was raining and uh, very windy that day as well. So, it was, I mean, I finished it and there is no greater feeling than the sense of accomplishment you get for doing something which about a quarter of the way around you think was an incredibly bad idea. Um, And we all finished and collectively as a group, we're all doing it next year. So um, I think I'll be in a better position to know that 
you know, even things like just doing like like chin ups and things like that. Yeah, which I, which I never do. Uh, you know, yeah. th- when you move to something which is basically, it's like the monkey bars. When you yeah. move to an event like that, that's where small things like that help, Andy. <laughs> of course, mate. And tell you what, we're trying to do monkey bars with wet hands. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was it, it, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> How about yourself? What you been up to? Uh, not a lot, to be honest. Not really doing a lot this week at all. I was thinking yesterday about the ridiculous amount of shows that I bailed on. You bail on a lot of shows, Andy. Fucking ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> I was thinking just some is like off the top of my head, I don't know, Walking Dead, uh, X Files. In, in, I've watched like the, the first ones where I never kind of got to the very end of that season like Daredevil, Flash and Arrow I bailed on Gotham uh, Penny Dreadful American Horror Story <laughs> Lost Arrow, Fargo, Game of Thrones uh, Bates Motel Hemlock Grove I'm sure there's a lot of other ones as well Banshee I mean, there's, there are ones on that list that I have bailed on as well I, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to wave the finger at you and tell you that you, you're in too you're too impatient at times for things to happen in TV shows yeah. um, I mean Hemlock Grove for me that first season was so slow and I've, I've plenty of people have told me not get to the second season that's when business picks up okay. I'm just like it's 13 13 episodes and the first five nothing fucking happens Nothing. Yeah, I don't think happens. there's really any excuse when you've got a short season. I mean, Gotham was like 20, 22 episodes, and to be fair, I watched season one. Uh-huh. I just, I just don't care about. Well, I just won't be watching season two. Yeah, um, it's nothing worse as well. If uh, you know, if you do put your time in to a TV show and you you ride that wave of uh, maybe I should, uh, I'll just I'll stay it to the end, and you get to the end and realise that no, that was that was the tone all the way right through it. Yeah, and like the, the, you know, it's meant to kind of leave you excited for season two. It didn't. Like, yeah. I just I don't give a fuck. And I think it was meant to. Like, you know, quite like a few little things happen, but yeah, it just left me kind of thinking, oh, I don't really care. Like, I watched Fargo. Um, I got up to episode nine of Fargo yesterday because mm-hmm. I bailed on that uh, when it first came out, and it was weird because I was enjoying it, but. Like watching it again yesterday just made me think. I can. I, I, that's. I totally get why I bailed on it. Like, I t- I, basically, I've got to the point now where I've got one episode to watch. I will watch episode ten. But if somebody turned around to me today and said, "Right, well, you can't see episode 10 I'd go, "All right, don't right. really care." Yeah. Don't really care anyway. Whereas if someone said to me, "You can't watch the 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 season finale of Hannibal season three, I'd have been absolutely gutted. Yeah. Because I have to, I have to know what happens. And sometimes, like I, I, I sometimes would just think I'll look on Wikipedia and I'll just read what happens, and that'll do. And with yeah. Fargo, like if you just told me now, like don't, because I will watch it. Cause, like I'll watch it later. But like if you just told me now what happens in the final episode of Fargo, that would be enough. I think oh, I don't need to see it then. Like Duncan's told me. Whereas if somebody told me say what happened at the end of I don't know, um, True Detective. I'd go, fucking hell, I have to see that. I've got to watch that. Yeah, you know, yeah that you've actually thing. physically got to watch it with your own eyes to experience it as yeah. opposed to just knowing the details. I mean, I, th- I thought Fargo, I really enjoyed Fargo, but I quite like shows that are doing this idea of kind of the anthology series, you know, just doing standalone shows mm. within a universe. It's yeah. one of the reasons I really like American Horror Story is that you, you know, that show can kill off characters like throughout a season and yeah. repeatedly does because 
it's you know it's not a case of all these characters must survive to the end. So and and sometimes I don't know what they're going to do, and sometimes the characters they kill off, I'm like, you know, why did you do that? And you know, I never saw it coming, mm. and I quite like that idea. Wayward Pines, which. It's not an amazing TV show by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Kept me going right to the very end because I read the book and the story took a departure from the book, which I didn't realise it did. And then when I got to the end of it, I realised that actually it felt very much in keeping with like the Twilight Zone. It was as a very Twilight Zone kind of the mist sort of okay. ending, which I appreciated wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, it's quite bold to finish a show on that, because that show's never coming back. Standalone, one season. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Probably, I think I will check it out then, because I do like stuff like that, where I don't know how, how it's going to happen. You know, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen at the end. Like you say, anyone can die, so... Yeah, and that, that's that's what kind of that's what brings me into shows. The the thing I was thinking about though, like from our conversations and stuff um, about you like bailing on shows and, and and things, and about certain movies that we've watched that you know you're like I don't like that movie, and I'm like oh I totally love that movie. Is I think Hannibal is the enigma, right? Because on paper you shouldn't like Hannibal. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's because, I mean, I like to think that I'd like Hannibal regardless, but obviously yeah. I'm such a fan of Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that helped a little bit. I, think, I think that's maybe, I, that was what, the more I thought about it, because on paper, it's, in, it's, it's probably the most art house TV show that's ever been made. There are full <laughs> episodes of Hannibal that very little happens. Like, very, very, if you actually stand back and I say to you what happened in this episode, there are certain episodes where literally... Will goes to speak to Hannibal. There's a lot of weird shit happens in, yeah. in the episode, but yeah. I think it's because you're invested in the characters, and I think that might be the issue with some of the shows that you've watched. Unless you're totally invested, I mean, that the Hannibal um, Will Graham dynamic in that show could be put in any scenario at all, and I would watch it because I find the actors great and the, the, you know, the, yeah, the, the I mean, characters it's, it's fascinating. It's completely fascinating, I think, definitely. Like, the way it's written and everything is so good. And I remember, because we're re-watching Hannibal at the minute, um, bought it on Blu-ray, and it's fucking great like, to re-watch it again because it was probably three years ago now. You know, the, Oh, like, excellent, yeah. It'd be two, won't it? Two years ago since two years like, ago. it was last time. And, it's weird because I've got quite a lot of mates who, and I know my dad as well, like started watching Hannibal and went, oh, it's really slow, not much happens. And yeah. I'm like, it's right, if you, oh, we've just watched the episodes one and two. Fucking loads happens in the Loads happens in the first season. The first two episodes, fucking absolutely loads happened. Like people are getting murdered. You've got, immediately you realise that Hannibal, like even if you'd never seen Hannibal before, immediately he's tipping off the killer. There's like horrendous murder scenes. You've got Will killing someone. Mm-hmm. And the, like, I think, I don't understand how you can watch that. I think it's slow. I, like, it's yeah. fucking amazing. There's, there's, a, there's a, whole, a whole group of people that I know that, that said exactly the same thing that they couldn't get into the they couldn't get into that first season, especially the, the first half of the first season, because very little happens. And I do not understand that because if so anything, I'm watching something different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like there's a killing, there's a killer and killing in every episode, almost every episode of season. Incredible and so creative as well, like the mushroom farm and all oh, that. Oh god, yeah, the the, the, the totem pole made of bodies. But what the fuck? What do you want? I don't know what you're after then. Because like my mate messaged me yesterday and he went, "What's your favourite episode? Uh, favourite season of Hannibal?" I said, uh, "I said I remember two probably being my favourite." He went, oh, "I think two's a bit slow." 
as oh well. He's, I'm, I'm downloading them for him, and like he keeps dropping his memory stick round, and he's like he's halfway through season two, and I just think, what, what are you on? Like, what are you talking about? It's not. See, this slow. is how I feel when you tell me that you don't like Suspiria. <laughs> okay. Like this is it. I'm like that. How? Do, what do you mean you don't like? There's. How do you not like this movie? You know what I mean. I, I, this is it. This thing's you are going. To, I'm like. I'm happy. I want to shake this man's uh, this man's hand and buy him a pint. Yeah. And say well done for giving Andy perspective. Yeah. Well done for confusing Andy and giving him a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm dreading this show because we have three. Three movies to discuss, and other three we're going to be doing. Um, I love you, hugs and kisses, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, from nineteen seventy eight. I love you too, Duncan. Yeah, yeah I love you too. Um, we're doing Inferno, which is the one I'm kind of dreading, from nineteen eighty, and we are doing The Killer Nun from nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Andy, there's a lot to discuss on at least one of these movies. Uh, a bit of confusion on. On the other two, I think. Um, or maybe all three, I don't know. I, yeah. I will not be as so bold as to, to, to uh, say that you're going to have the same opinions on all three of these movies that I do. Are you ready, sir? Are you ready? Oh, God, to, I'm ready. Just one more quick thing. I um, uh-huh. just wanted to welcome a new listener that we've got, Steve Sykes from Nottingham. Oh. Right, you know that um, job lot of Blu-rays that I bought from eBay? Yes. I basically bought a load, um, I kept a few and I sold a few and made a little bit of cash and got myself some free Blu-rays on top. But we sold one to a guy called Steve Sykes and Rachel, when she took it to the post office for me, went, I recognise that name. So uh, we messaged him and he's just a massive horror fan and he's now a listener of the show. That's fantastic. That's pretty cool, meeting someone through eBay again. I, sh- I was thinking everything I sell on eBay, I should just put a little ticket in there with the, <laughs> with the web address <laughs> You never know, do you? Um, yeah, and he's a massive Arrow collector. I think apart from like the the bawdy sex comedies that they release, which I think was about six films, he's basically got every single Arrow release that they've done. Yeah, I wish I wish I knew about Arrow earlier. Yeah, because you know I mean to... that way you could have got in because there's, there's certain ones that are just so difficult to get down are just too expensive. You know, to that level where, as a collector, you want them, but you can't justify the cost for your collection. Well, you know what I mean? I mean? I paid fourteen ninety nine for Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, you know, first time round. Yeah, like, you're lucky to. I mean, you can pick it up for about fifty sixty now if you find a good one on uh, you know eBay or something, but. Yeah, that's fucking mental. I mean, stuff like and Zombie Flesh Eaters, apparently they only released 500 of those in the slipcase. I mean, you yeah. can pick up the standard version for about eight quid, but the slipcase one just goes for stupid money. Yeah, it gets to the oh. point where, I mean, I'm I'm at that stage now, if Arrow release any title as a limited edition box set, I buy it. Yeah. So I've got, um, obviously I've got like things like um, the Videodrome box set was a, a must, the Society box set was a must, because I love those ma- movies anyway. But they're releasing a Yakuza box set okay. um, in November, of which I know nothing about at all. And when I was doing a bit of reading online, turns out the majority of the movies are not highly regarded at all. Right. And I, I put the money down and bought that, just because okay. I, I read it, it said there was only, I think, only a thousand being made. Mm. I was like, I need to own that. No, so it's they've, they've got me to, hooked. It's hard to know, I think, what's going to be really popular and what isn't. It's a bit yeah. like putting your money in the stocks and shares. I mean, I don't I don't think people would have thought Hell Comes to Frogtown would have been such a massive demand. And yeah. that, that's another one that's fucking rare as anything to get hold of. 
You know, yeah. from what I've not actually seen that, but from what I've read, it's not a particularly amazing film. I think it's quite highly regarded because of who's in it, yeah, you know, and because of the randomness. Um, but you know, like I would never have thought that that would become a collector's item. It's weird, isn't it? And then to like video drone, I know that's a good film, and that like, I wish I'd have bought a couple of them just yeah. to sell on. Because it gets against that point where you do wish you'd, you know, you think to yourself, I, I could have bought another one and kept it for a couple of months and then probably turned a profit on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, just bought myself some, you know, and just put that money back in to buy myself a couple more. But yeah, I think it's really hard to kind of judge. I mean, there's some stuff like. I imagine the Hellraiser thing's probably going to sell out, but I, could, I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. I, if I was Arrow, I would have made sure that I would have like had like a good couple of thousand of those box sets made up because Hellraiser's Hellraiser's potentially the biggest title for, for Arrow so. video ever. I think yeah. it's the, the most mainstream title yeah. that I can think of. You know that that's just universally known. That is a big acquisition for them, mm. um, and the fact that we all knew we were getting Hellraiser, I didn't realise we were getting you know a box set of the first three. Yeah, movies. I just thought it was the first one. Yeah. So I mean, this it, it stands in good stead as well moving forward for them to acquire other movies. You know, bigger movies. I mean, the the titles have been putting out are you know in the last year anyway are bigger names and you can see you can really chart the growth of that company yeah. and then moving into the american market has, in my opinion only strengthened their position um i look at things like scream factory which is you know the american equivalent yeah. um because like arrow originally arrow video used to you know be region free and when they locked down the region that's when scream factory started as a way to pick up the the you know the american people who can no longer get arrow titles unless you had okay. a, a multi-region yeah. player and that's the birth of uh, Scream Factory Shout Factory's existed a lot longer but Scream Factory the uh, subsidiary of the company um, has come out there and they are a really 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 weird one I still don't think they've quite mastered the tone they put out okay. like a lot of really good things that I'm like oh I totally need to own that yeah. equally they put out titles that I'm like that is never going to do business that is no. never and you see that they come out and people just slate the movies you know why why is anyone wasted time putting this on blu-ray and all the rest yeah. because and they just make a loss on those as well and and that's the danger i mean i think arrow seems to have a better idea on the market that even if they're making obscure titles they have a way of making the overall product or even or, or just the numbers fit how many people want them and they have a better a control on that i don't think uh, shout factory is quite there yet no. Um, and we'll need to wait and see if that'll ever change. I mean, I, I would like to think so because they've they've started a partnership with IFC okay. over in America, so they're getting a lot of newer titles to put yeah. out. Very similar to what Arrow do with things like the Voices came out this year. Arrow put that out. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But uh, yes, certainly welcome to our new listeners. The 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 Facebook page, albeit quiet, uh, did pick up pace in the last week with people kind of stumbling across the show and, and chiming in and letting us know what they think about the the nasties. Um, yeah. And uh, hopefully this episode will, will, will keep you listening for the five that we have left after this. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Almost the end of an era, dude. Almost the end of an era. All right. Um, let's, uh, yeah, let's get started then. Is it Killer None up first? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Is no? it? No, I, I, So it'll be uh, I, I Love You Hugs and Kisses. Ah, oh, nice. oh, Andy! Oh, 
Andy. Uh, yes, we're going to take a very short break. You are going to hear a uh, promo for Johnny Krug, because we love Johnny Krug. Um, you're going to hear some intellectual, well-learned fellows tell you a little bit about the the confusion I think we all have as to why this movie was even listed. Uh, for I Love You, Hugs and Kisses. Andy is going to kick us off with that review right after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful? thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. Well, back in the days when Mr. Plod and his pals were raiding every single video shop and building up a healthy library down at the precinct, they generally went for movies with cannibal or zombie in the title because that was fairly obvious, wasn't it? Um, In some cases, of course, they got a bit overzealous. One of the most famous cases being when they um, seized a copy of Samuel Fuller's film The Big Red One because they thought, a big red what? That must be something rude. But one of the weirdest films on the list for titles, uh, as far as titles goes anyway, is I Miss You Hugs and Kisses, which doesn't sound at all like a, a nasty. In fact, it was also known as Drop Dead Dearest, but it was based on a true life story of a Toronto real estate agent who supposedly murdered his wife. And in this instance, the wife was played by Elka Summer. Um, the lovely uh, German actress who was in Mario Barber's Lisa and the Devil and also was in one of the carry-ons. And uh, I difficult to see what, what makes this film a nasty, to be honest. But it's a, a strange little movie and um, not one that uh, you'd automatically think of as being on the list. And I don't know why it hasn't um, been seen since, really, because I'm sure if it was reclassified today, it would probably get a PG or something. Two months ago, Charles Cruchin, millionaire husband of former model Magdalene Cruchin, offered a $10,000 reward for information leading to the capture of his wife's murderer. Today, through a dramatic turn of events, Cruchin himself has been charged with the brutal slaying of his wife, Magdalene Cruchin, who was found bludgeoned to death in her home. Charles Cruchin, her husband, was charged with the murder and later released on a $100,000 bond. Hey, and welcome back. So I've just quickly brushed up on my alphabet and it is I Miss You Hugs and Kisses for us. <laughs> This is a Canadian movie from 1978, which is sort of a almost like a drama-based thing, on apparently based on true events. Um, but at least they did have the decency to tell you that it was only very loosely based, and like a lot of things that basically make out that you know this really happened. Um, I think the the real case is probably more interesting. Um, it's a guy called Peter Demeter, brilliant name, Peter Demeter. <laughs> This Hungarian-born Canadian guy um, who's like a real estate developer convicted in 1974 apparently of arranging the murder of his wife. And this was the longest trial in Canadian history um, mm-hmm. and actually revealed that, I don't think this bit's in the film, but revealed that both the husband and the wife were probably trying to, were plotting to murder each other yeah. um, to collect a, a million-dollar insurance policy. Um, the assailant was never found. Um, and then while serving a, a life sentence... Um, he was all, he was then charged on two counts of uh, trying to arrange a kidnapping and murder of the son of his cousin. He was apparently managing his financial affairs, so it's a big kind of mess. And then they've just kind of stuck it into a film. I miss you, hugs and kisses, which is a bizarre name. Uh, also- uh, yeah, that's what that's what got called over here. 
Okay. Um, also the, known as Left for Dead. Um, also and, known as Drop Dead, Dead Dearest. Dearest. Yeah, which to me, Drop Dead Dearest is probably the best out of the. Uh, I quite like the alliteration of it, but yeah. um, certainly the the way the movie aims towards kind of patching up the the story uh, behind the the conspiracy and all the rest. Drop Dead Dearest probably feels better, but I mean, you you almost kind of think to yourself, Andy, before you. Tell us why this movie should not have been on the list. Um, it almost gets to the stage where I would be embarrassed if I walked into a meeting room with police officers and parliamentarians and said, right, I want to add this movie to the nasty list. All oh, right, what's its name? Well, we you know, put beside zombie flesh eaters or <laughs> cannibal holocaust. It's called I Miss You, Hugs and Kisses. You know what I mean? Uh, you oh, get God, that. get it on there, guys. <laughs> yeah, get it to the top. Put it to it's- the top. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, this is more like an episode of Murder She Wrote, to be honest. It really is. I was Which, I was waiting on uh, Angela Lansbury just appearing in the corner. I don't know. If Angela Lansbury turned up in my town, I'd tell her to fuck off. I'd run. I'd, I'd, I'd pack up. Someone's gonna die. <laughs> I think it's her. I think she's just to murder people and frame them. Just I so think she... that would be the best reveal ever in a TV show if you yeah. went through like about 10 seasons of murder she wrote and at the very end we got some sort you know we find out that she's actually in prison and everything she was telling to the you know the police officers in her interviews were actually the murders that I committed but then it gave you flashbacks to the murders happening and it was her that did it yeah like that would make it so much more interesting and that would have been far more interesting than this film like for <laughs> anyone that doesn't know what murder she wrote is I'm, I'd imagine that most people outside of the UK probably don't know what murder she wrote is um, it's, just, she, it's, it's a little old lady who's a writer and inexplicably wherever she seems to go to like a golf retreat a holiday away a little weekend away somewhere Somebody got murdered within like 24 hours of her turning up. Yeah. And then she would solve the murder. Um, so it was like a mystery thing along the Ironside, Columbo, all that, you know, that, in that kind of vein. But it was just a little old lady with glasses on. Um, <laughs> but every, like, no, one, no one's dying until she turns up, which is mm-hmm. like, weird. And like, then that never gets questioned. Like, every single episode, and there was some fucking loads of these made, wasn't there? There was a lot of scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody dies. It would get oh. to the stage where she would you know, you would have a nickname for her, like the Angel of Death or something. Yeah. She she would get a reputation by the you know, because she, she's only going around a small little country. It's not like she's travelling the broad scope of the world. She's just travelling around just people are dying left, right and centre. But that was like it was just one of them things that was on. It wouldn't probably hold up today, would it? It was just one of those murder mystery things. It was they on still put it on. It's still on daytime TV. They still run Murder She Wrote. Yeah, um, it still gets repeated, and the music will like stick in your head. It's one of them instantly recognisable theme tunes. But I think this is very similar to that in as much as it belongs on daytime TV. Yeah. Um, it's just like if, you know obviously it's Dan is an official video nasty it was released um, in Britain with one minute and six seconds cut um, and those one minute and six seconds were pretty much um, shots to the head of someone being hit you know clubbed to death even though it's like obviously we've watched a bit where that scene is intact and I don't really know what there is to cut there's quite a lot of blood when she gets bludgeoned on the head but the shot of, of being hit to the head 
is almost as bad as if you were like cast your mind right back to Cannibal Man, where we took the piss out of this someone's supposed to be hit on the head by a rock, and what he basically does is gently <laughs> place the rock to their head, <laughs> and that's what happens with this. Like the, the the whatever it is he's used to club this person on the head, he basically places it on her head. Like if there was a fly underneath, the fly would have just flew off. Listen, like there was no. <laughs> There's just no aggression. There's no aggression level. Like it's obviously they're not being hit, and that's the part they cut. I mean, the other bit is um, there's like a flashback scene where they're talking, like because it, it it kind of keeps going back and forth to people that could have done the murder, that people could have been the suspects, and there's like a psychopath guy going round who like kills a woman and then sort of starts messing around with her dead body. So it's kind of inferring necrophilia, um, and obviously that bit was cut, but that's kind of all that's in there. I mean, there's a bit of nudity and sex and stuff. And there's some genuine slaughterhouse footage because apparently this guy like used to like, kill animals, this Peter Demeter. Um, there's not a lot else really in there. I mean, by today, even, I'd say even by the standards of the 70s, this is really not that bad at all. So by today's standards, it's pretty laughable. What did you think to this? I watched it last night under the uh, title Left for Dead, I think, on YouTube and pretty and inspiring stuff yeah pretty much the same very much like we were speaking um on the the previous episode and we had commented that one of the movies we watched was very much in the vein of like a channel five lifetime movie um this one certainly falls into the camp of that i do not know at all why this movie would it even remotely been flagged up? I don't get it. I've checked some of the original artwork. It's not bad. The name is obviously not bad. Mm. Um, you can only assume someone watched the first 10 seconds of the movie and saw the really bad head smack um, and saw some blood and just freaked out and that was put yeah. on the list. There's nothing in this movie at all that, that in my opinion, elevates it to the level... Of even remotely being considered as, you know, offensive or overly violent, or you know, there's nothing like that at all in this movie. As murder mysteries go, it is incredibly bland, and I I feel a little bit cheated because on the last episode, I was really looking forward to this. This is a case that I am kind of aware of. I've, I have seen documentaries on it. Um, Interesting, isn't it? The original, like the proper story. Yeah, but just do that. Yeah, why not do that? Don't don't loosely, very very loosely base this on that. Properly base it on it, because yeah. then you would have had a good film on your hands if you had legitimately used the source material. Exactly. Um, it just it has a really pedestrian plodding piece. It's not a long movie at all, but felt like it went on forever. The acting isn't bad, but it isn't great. Um, that head smack at the start is oh, oh my god! It do, it does remind me very much of the the, the brick slap um, from the other movie. I, I, just, so, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know why, because there's an unusually high amount of blood that comes out of her head, so it's quite gory. Yeah. It's just the impact, isn't it? I mean, if you watch something like um, I Saw the Devil, uh-huh. right, now they're obviously just used like rubber pipes or something, don't they? Yeah. But the way he fucking smashes the woman around the head is so fucking brutally realistic in that movie. You look, it's like you've just watched somebody get murdered. 
Now, how hard would it be just to find whatever it is he used? Because it wasn't a specific item that is just like a, like a, I don't know, like a pole or something. Yeah. Just get a plastic version of the pole, smack her on the head with that, and then add a sound effect in. It's, like, it's not a difficult effect to achieve, even in the seventies. Very simple effect. Yeah. And that's it's just absolutely pathetic. It's there's so many other ways you could have done that. You could have done it in reverse, so you pull it away quick and then exactly. Shot. But there's so many different ways you can do a headshot that's convincing you know you could make it he brings it in really fast and the camera cuts away even but no it's just he places it onto her head and it's just shit so you say that that's probably the scene that the censors watched and got it banned that's yeah. baffling then in itself isn't it because apart from the the large amount of blood you just think well that didn't look real let's watch another 10 minutes you know yep. but this kind of this is this sums it up this sums up the list. They didn't watch the whole films, and we keep saying, you know, we say this sort of time and time again. They, somebody else made a compilation of the worst bits, and that's what was shown to, you know, to the politicians. So, this is just a prime example of that. You know, the yeah. opening two minutes, but like with Evil Speak, you know, the opening two minutes is really satanic, and and go, oh god, look at that. You know, that's a bit bad. And then two minutes later, you've got some little nerdy fat guy being chased around a football pitch in the college. So, yeah. If they had carried on watching, it would have just been laughed, you know, laughed at. But as it happens, that one ended up on the list, and yeah, so did this one. See, this this to me is the the, the counterpoint um, to when you know your people like your David, your David Bright and stuff like that continue to continue on about how righteous their cause was. Yeah. That you sit them down and make them watch this movie and say, right, what was offensive? What was going to corrupt the youth in this movie? Yeah. Show me what corrupts you because there's nothing. There no. really, really isn't. It, it, yeah, it's um, it's just not a very good movie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just really boring. Like yeah. really, really boring. I got tattooed yesterday, and I was I I could not move from my bed. I was very tired, and I was lying in my bed, and I watched this movie, and I would much rather went back in the tattoo chair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's something we can. You'd rather sit there in pain. Yeah, than the actually watch up. watch this movie. So, um, anything else you want to say, or shall we grade it? Yeah, I might as well just grade it and move on to something more interesting. Right. So, um, what grade do you give this one? Um, it's case dismissed. Yeah, and it is a it's a courtroom drama as well, so that's quite appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. Case dismissed. Yeah. Uh, definitely should not have been uh, given the attention that it did uh, by the video nasties at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and ah uh, oh, well, this is a formality, really. I I would say it doesn't deserve to be on the original list, but certainly doesn't even deserve to be on this list. No, it doesn't deserve to be on either, and it's I'm really kind of racking my brain as to why, because we can normally we can normally work out why you know something is on the list it's either the name or the cover art because very often it isn't the content of the film a lot of these were lumped in because of either the cover art or the the name of the film because it's a provocative title this hasn't got any of that Mm -hmm. really fucking confused um so we should just uh, leave it there yeah all right that's the first movie review done we are going to take a very short break you're going to hear promos for shows on our network horophilia podcasting network which is home to many great horror podcasts um, arguably some of the greatest ones out there um, and Sweet. we are a proud member of that podcast network when we come back after the promos you're going to hear some people talk about Inferno from 1980 by the maestro of horror Dario Argento um, this one I believe is probably the one that all the listeners are looking forward to 
because I think they think there's going to be a bit of bit of a conflict here. Um, <laughs> You never know, you never know. Uh, You'll just have to hang around for this short break and then we'll be back to discuss this movie right after this. There are many mysteries in this world. And whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained where the paranormal is normal. And nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. Dario Argento's 1980 sequel to Suspiria, Inferno, about the Mother of Darkness, is probably one of the most lunatic additions to the video nasty list there ever was. Not only is it a beautiful film, it's one of my all-time favourites. The photography by Romano Albani was stunning, made it look like a, a, a live comic book to me. I loved it. Um, Keith Emerson did the music, absolutely wonderful, and it contains some of Argento's best set pieces, uh, mainly the underwater haunted house sequence, which, of course, Mario Bava helped out on special effects. Dario saw it as like his version of Hansel and Gretel. Um, if Suspiria was Snow White... The Hansel and Gretel characters in Inferno were Lee McCloskey and Irene Miracle. Many people on the film have told me that Dario was very, very ill when he made it and would often direct lying down, a reason why they often couldn't hear him, why it has that sort of ethereal feel about it, I think. I do not know what price I shall have to pay for breaking what we alchemists call silentium. The life experiences of our colleagues should warn us not to upset laymen by imposing our knowledge upon them. And welcome back. So, Inferno, 1980, Dario Argento. This movie um, is the spiritual sequel to Suspiria, which is a movie that Andy loves more than any movie. He's got a Suspiria tattoo over his heart because that's how close he holds it to it. So yeah, um, a bit of background on this one. Um, for those that know the show quite well or have listened to other shows, they will know that Argento is arguably one of my favourite directors. I think between him and John Carpenter, they're like my favourite horror directors. Um, this one kind of almost never happened, this movie. Because um, there was no plans to make Suspiria into part of a trilogy. That was, that was never the intention. Suspiria was the movie that Argento wanted to do to break away from doing his giallo movies, uh, his kind of crime murder mystery movies. And so he did Suspiria, which was a kind of more supernatural horror movie. Now, one of us on this show thinks that it is arguably one of the greatest horror movies ever made. The other one doesn't understand why anyone would watch it. That's me, by the way. <laughs> um, but the movie was huge. It... it, it in America, especially, the movie was huge. So, um, a large studio uh, gave Argento quite a bit of money to to make another movie. And in classic Argento style, he decided to change things around a bit and say, well, actually, Suspiria is only the first part of a trilogy that I have imagined, which 
was a lie. He never, you know, it, this is him doing revisionist history at this point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so he makes Inferno. And Inferno didn't have the same success as Suspiria. Um, because what Argento did, well, what he did in Inferno was he basically took all the surrealist stuff from Suspiria and turned it up to 11. Um, and as a result, the narrative is pretty much lost. Uh, the synopsis on IMDb is, an American college student in Rome and his sister in New York investigate a series of killings in both locations where their resident addresses are the domain of two coven, uh, covens of witches. So basically, um, what we get, and there's a reason we get this right at the very start, we get... Uh, the sister reading passages from a book she's just acquired called uh, The Three Mothers, which eventually became the trilogy. Uh, the, the final one, uh, The Mother of Tears, um, came out in the 2000s. And I don't hate that movie either. It's not great. It's not a patch on these two movies, but um, I, I don't hate it with the same vitriol that everyone else seems to hate it. And it's not because I'm defending Argento either. Um, I just don't think it's that bad a movie. Uh, but basically what we have in this scenario is Suspiria is the first chapter, so the, the, the ballet school in the first one is actually a coven of witches. In this one, there is a residence in Rome, and there's a res residence in New York, and they are built by an architect who's written this book, who's, he's writing this book as a confession, basically, to say that he was forced or duped into building these three buildings on very powerful locations for a coven of three witches. And uh, the second movie obviously takes place primarily in the New York one, although there are sequences in the, the Roman one. Um... And yeah, to, to to try and work through a proper narrative to this movie is kind of futile because the way I've always described this movie to anyone that's ever asked me about Inferno or just described it to people that don't have an interest at all but I want to talk um, is that Inferno reminds me of what a dream feels like. Like when you dream about things, I don't know how other people dream but when I dream about things, seldom do they make sense. And they can be, they can be surreal at points. They can be horrific at points. At, on a whim, one yeah, minute dream, you, like, that's the thing. Like when, like often when they um, put dreams in films, they're very linear. Yeah, and it's very, everything's very logical and stuff. But in reality, dreams you just literally flip from one scene to the next. Like I find sometimes in dreams you can be talking to a person or interacting with a person. And in your brain, it's that person, but in the dream, it, they're, they're somebody else, but yeah. you still know it's them. Like, really random weird shit like that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, yeah, I, um, I agree with you on that. Like, dreams aren't logical and they, they are very random. Yeah, and this, this movie kind of taps into that. I, I think it taps into it probably better than any movie I've ever seen tap into this kind of dream consciousness. Um, and as a result of that, there are, there are a lot of very fantastical set pieces in this movie but the story itself doesn't really make sense when you pull it back that synopsis is kind of right but it's not really right at the same time um yes there is an investigation but the investigation doesn't really happen till the very end and even then it's it's all very bizarre and i, I mean the, the the strongest selling point for this movie is not the acting obviously um it's not the the dubbing which is actually better in this movie than suspiria i think personally um it's just 
the the full blown horror of certain circumstances, the way it's shot, and the color scheme, the palette in this movie is fucking gorgeous to look at. It is a, a very well made movie, although it deals with subject matter which is very difficult. And I can see why people. To me, when I said to you, and we're, we're about to find out what you made of this, um, yeah. I will be surprised if you tell me you liked this. Um, but basically, when you, me and you have had conversations about Suspiria before, and you've told me about specific things that put you off it, Inferno to me is the amplification of those parts that you don't like yeah. in the movie. And that's why I, I said with great confidence, and I have been saying with great confidence for quite a while now, that you'll probably, you'll dig how it's shot, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate the aesthetic element of it, but you probably not appreciate anything else in the movie. Um, Andy, was I wrong? Well, I said, didn't I, look, if I don't like this movie, then I will give it away to one of our listeners. Competition time, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah. It, what did you, know you not what? like? What did you not like about it? Okay, let me tell you what I did like. First of all, obviously we talk about Arrow. We talk about how great their releases are, and they put together an incredible package a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. Posters in their, you know, in their original releases of things. And um, nowadays, you still get artwork, a reversible sleeve. You normally get a nice booklet. They tend to go to quite a big length as well to get hold of the original cast members and crew and they do interviews and little documentaries and stuff that they make themselves. It's great. And the other thing they do, um, which is probably the main thing that they that I should be talking about, is how great they do the transfers of their, their films. You know, they remaster stuff um, and it usually looks absolutely fantastic. In Inferno, I bought this on Blu-ray because even though I knew I probably wouldn't like it, I thought... Argento's famed for how amazing his colour palettes are, how amazing the art, you know, the, the visuals are in his movies. So if I'm going to watch this film, I need to watch the Arrow release because I know it's going to look absolutely incredible. And it does. It looks absolutely fucking amazing in 1080 on my nice big Sony TV. It looks the fucking bollocks. That's all I got out of it, though. Is just That's how exactly what I thought. <laughs> it looked, and, and I'm not knocking it for that because, like, I really enjoy films like Koyana Squatsy, Power Squatsy, um, mm-hmm. Baraka, Samsara, which are essentially just visual. You can watch those with. I mean, sometimes I watch them with the sound off, and I'll put my own music on in the background because usually all you've got in those films is sound effects sometimes from what's happening on the screen. Yeah, and there'll be a score. And usually it's quite a good score and sometimes there are scenes where the score in the, the actual films is incredible, but it's mainly the visuals that you're watching it for. Now, with a film like this that's supposed to have you know, characters and dialogue and the plot, the visual, like have been incredibly good looking isn't enough when it's a movie. Watching something like Samsara for its visuals, that's all it is. It's, it's just an incredible, it's, it's a feat of cinema, you know, to, to put these visuals, 90 minutes of just incredible visual treats on the screen. And that's kind of what this is. It is a visual treat. It's amazing to watch. It looks brilliant if you've got a nice telly and you've got, a, you know, a Blu-ray player and all that. Um, it's just a really, another great example for me of like style over substance, which I think is obviously what Argento's kind of famed for. But it's it's just not for me. I found this a bit self indulgent. I mean, like you said, it cranks everything from in Suspiria up to eleven. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like Suspiria, 
and he's oh, you're not like this movie. You're yeah, yeah he's not. basically taking everything from Suspiria and kind of jacking it up. You know, the weirdness, the you know, all and all that, which is which is kind of what I don't like about Suspiria. And it, it's weird because you see, we've talked about this. Like, it's not weirdness that I've got a problem with. I mean, maybe it is in a way because I don't like David Lynch. I don't think I've ever seen anything <laughs> David Lynch's that I have liked, and it's not through lack of trying. You know, I have watched David Lynch movies, and because I think I should like them, because I don't. You know, we, we've we've said like Hannibal is probably the Hannibal is probably the enigma because that yeah. is as close as you can get, isn't it, to something like David Lynch or Argento? You know, from just random weird shit going on. It. Yeah, as 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 a as a style as a style palette which is more associated with art house cinema. Yeah. That, and I don't think for a for the, you, the some of the titles you've mentioned there are art house cinema. So you you it's not that you dislike art house cinema at all. You, I mean you love uh, Requiem for a Dream, oh, which is too. one of the most art house movies ever made. So yeah. I mean it's it's not that that I think there is a disconnect. I think you almost on some level not need to see things linear but I think if a plot pushes too fantastical for you I think you then start analysing too much I, I think mean, you switch into is, a really analytical mode and some of these no movies how much I wanted to love this though honestly like I did I, I went in with an open mind and I didn't go in there expecting to like it yeah but I literally did completely free my mind and say, look, this is probably not going to have a great plot. It's probably going to be very similar to Suspiria. And, you, and, I, and I accepted that going in. So I tried, mate. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's what it, it, the way I look at it is that, I mean, as you don't, and we've spoken about this before, you don't dislike Argento because there are plenty of movies that Argento put that you do like. Yeah. Um, but they're not, on the, they're not on the supernatural side. They tend to be more grounded... In reality, I think yeah. when he starts moving to that side of things, I, I just don't think you can make that leap with him. And that's not your fault. I just don't think the movie works for you. Um, and that's the beauty of cinema. Cinema shouldn't work for everyone, because if that was mm -hmm. the case, we would all be watching exactly the same movies and things would be bland. Suspiria, yeah. to me, Suspiria to me works because the first time I saw it, I had never seen anything like it. And to this day, yeah. I still have seen very few films that did what Suspiria did. Um, and that's why I rate it so highly. It was a, it was an attack on the senses from every angle. I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. It was gory and visceral, but beautiful to look at. Inferno is, is even more abstract um, and I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, I, I, I mean, it's up there. It's up there in Argento's top five for me. But I don't think it's. I don't think it's a perfect movie at all. There, there are certain aspects I don't like. The reveal of what the witch is at the end, which looks like a paper mache fucking skeleton, it's a bit crap. Yeah. is very crap. And it's funny because I look at the cover with that skull over the face of the mouth. Give me that. That looks badass. It's cool as fuck, doesn't it? Yeah, give us that as your villain. That's fucking incredible. Um, no, I, you know, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. Um, there are certain aspects in the movie as well, which I think could have been tightened up a bit better. Um, but out with that, like I say, it really does have this dreamlike quality in me, which, which kind of starts to get under my skin. Um... The characters are also like the characters that the brother and sister interact with are also weirdly sinister. Yeah. 
Like every mm. single one of them have like this sinister quality, whether they're a good person or a bad person. Um, the guy who's trying to drown cats and ultimately is mauled by rats, you know, is <laughs> really is really strange. Um, yeah. And it kind of harks back on some level to, and I'm not I'm not comparing the two movies, but uh, well I am kind of um, things like the Beyond. The Beyond has like in certain sequences in the Beyond there is a really kind of dreamlike quality, um, which which kind of freaks me and gets under my, my skin. It's not like your standard zombie movie. You know what I mean? Mm. There are the sequences like where he walks when they're walking through the hospital, and then all of a sudden dead bodies are sitting up. You know that that to me is like nightmare stuff. That's the stuff of nightmares. And there's a similar sort of thing going on at play in here, um, and that certain set pieces are just them, and they come out of nowhere, and they don't make sense to the plot at all. And there's a Jallo killer somewhere in here as well in this movie which we've got to assume is the nurse. I, I don't know. It never really explains it. Um, yeah. It doesn't feel the need to explain it. And it's frustrating on some level, but I, like I say, you either like this movie, you don't. I don't know anyone that I've ever spoken to about Inferno that has said, ah, the movie's all right. Mm. I know plenty of people that have said it's great or plenty of people that say they don't like it at all. And yeah. that is, I think that is the curse of Argento's supernatural stuff I think there's wiggle room in a Jalo movie to say I really like the story but the you know the twist at the ending was a bit far fetched or you know I really like the effects but the acting wasn't great or think you know mm -hmm. I, I, there's wiggle room within a, a Jalo to do that when he starts doing the supernatural stuff it's, it's difficult it's very very difficult because if you can't get grounded in the movie pretty quick then it does feel like self indulgent and that's that's because Argento has every shot mapped out in his head with very little concern about how the story goes. And he's, it gets worse as time goes on. He gets more obsessed with how things have to look in a movie mm. as opposed to how a story should flow, how well his actors it's are performing. It's like he's set himself up for that. There's not people are expecting that now. Yeah, and that's and th there's certainly there's a turning point in the 80s where that starts to become... I think, and you can maybe chart it back to Inferno, even though he does, the movie he does after Inferno is Tenebrae, and I've told you before, Tenebrae to me is his masterpiece, I think Tenebrae is an absolute fucking work of art, um, that, you know, he, he jumps, this movie didn't do particularly well, so his follow-up movie was, basically, it was going to be his, uh, his Jallo again, he was going back to Jallo, um, yeah. and, the thing is as well, which the thing that always confused me so much is the fact that the next movie is called Tenebrae, and one of the mother's name is Mater Terra Tenebramum. Yeah, I thought that and, was a bit weird that link. Yeah, which is really, really, really strange. It's almost like he kind of maybe on some level started writing a script for the third supernatural one already. It's going to be called Tenebrae, and then something happened, and he's like, "Well, actually." No, um, we can't. You know, we can't do that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's not. A, there's loads I can mention about this movie, but I, I think ultimately what happens is we need to confine it back to the subject at hand here, which is video nasties. Yeah. And yeah, there is gore. There's there's certainly gore, and there's there's some horrific deaths in here. Um, do I think it deserved to be on the list? Probably not. Um, I don't think there's any... Because it's so fantastical, the blood is such a vibrant, kind of pinky-red colour. 
I don't think it's it's not overly violent for me. There's no okay. real kind of sexual torture or anything like that in the movie either. To me, it's just a it's a horror movie, and I think probably they wished they had got a uh, Suspiria on the list and they didn't get Suspiria on the list so they targeted the next best thing which was the sequel so Inferno got shoved on that list pretty quick yeah. um, and I don't yeah I, 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 to me it's probably a community service because there is there is some good violence in here it's just not horrible violence so I would say well, community service maybe a slap on the wrist actually yeah, I yeah, was, slap, I was gonna... slap on the wrist. Yeah, slap on the wrist, and neither list shouldn't have been on the list. What about yourself? Yeah, I was just going to give it a slap on the wrist. I mean, there's some good gore in there. Um, you got to give it that. There is some good gore, as you would expect from from any Argento movie. But I think because this film is so grounded outside of reality, yeah, it's hard to get on board with the you know the the, the gore being anything other than just another visual treat to look at. You know, because it's it's not particularly aggressive or or like overly disturbing or anything. It's just just a bit of typical sort of you know Italian movie gore, which is great, but it's no more than a slap on the wrist for me. And no, it shouldn't have been a shouldn't have been on either list. I don't think. I mean, like you say, you probably desperately wanted it to be. I mean, this never got a release in the cinema in the US. Yeah. because um, I was watching the uh, some of the special features and stuff as well on the Blu-ray, and yeah, it's a weird one. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know how. If it came out completely uncut in the UK, because I mean, there's not that much to cut out. It's literally just the violence, isn't it? It's um, which I suppose is just blood, really. I mean, there's a guy with his eyes popping out and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I was, I was actually uh, reading the IMDb page, and I think it was actually. I think um, for the US release, uh, there was five minutes of cuts. Five minutes. Oh yeah, so it's just all the gore, then, isn't it? And then Pretty you're not, much. You're not really left with. Why would you, right, if you were if you were Fox or Warner Brother or whoever and you hire Argento to make a movie, why would you then, you know, why would you not expect it to have that visceral gore in it? Because mm. that's kind of what it does in every movie. <laughs> well, yeah. It's not like his first film and they didn't realise, you know, he's uh, pretty established at this point that his films have over-the-top gory murders and death set pieces in there so mm-hmm. yeah I don't really know what they were thinking I uh, did not know this but uh, there you go I, this is what I mean about like strange opinions and things that you either you either are on board with this movie or you're not Kim Newman you know who Kim Newman is the yeah. film critic the guy with the long hair and he wears the waistcoats and all that yeah he's, um, he talks he's in quite a lot of our intros actually Kim Newman yeah he, he says here the yeah. trivia on IMDB says that English film critic Kim Newman once called Inferno the most underrated horror film of all time okay I think he's right I, 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 I do think I don't think like I say it's not a perfect movie for me um, I do think Suspiria is definitely the, the better movie but I've still never seen... I think Lynch, on some level, would love to have a movie that had the dream reality of this movie. And Lynch gets close to... Out of all the directors, Lynch is the closest to to that sort of thing. Um, the last thing I will say is that... I'm kind of at odds with the score for the movie, which okay. was done by Keith Emerson. Yeah. Um doesn't really in, fit, does it, with what's happening on screen? In parts, I think it does, but in other parts, I think it is totally, it totally doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me would love to have seen what would happen if uh, Goblin, even though they'd split up by then, uh, what would have happened if Claudio Simonetti had done the, 
the score for it. Um, I, I, I don't know if that would benefit it at all, but it, it doesn't have the, the pounding weird sense of, of of soundtrack that Suspiria has. Yeah. I mean, a lot a lot of what happens in Suspiria, a lot of the, the scares and unease are just done through the score, mm. um, which is incredible. So, yeah, that is Inferno. So, guys, me and Andy are still friends. So. Yeah, we know Rachel went, you're going to fall out, you know, you two. I said, no, we're not. <laughs> he wasn't, I said, he wasn't expecting me to like it. Yeah, if you told me you liked this movie, I would have ate my glass. <laughs> that's in front of me my glass of coffee I would have ate the glass I, I didn't think for one second we, this movie was gonna don't get me wrong right it's got it's place I mean modern films on the whole suck um, <laughs> and so I appreciate that this has got it's place in horror movie history this doesn't suck as you know it, it's very visually pleasing and if you're into Argento you are gonna like it mm. um, and I've got to appreciate it for that I've got to kind of look at it in it's place in history and I, and I can't knock it for that and uh, do you know what in another 10 years I'll I will try again because that's what I'll do. I honestly will try, will try again because I know my taste changed and I know yeah. my tastes have changed in the last 10 years since I was like 24. So I, you know, I've got to assume that in the next 10 years they're going to change again and, and I will give Argento another go. Mm. I did watch Deep Red straight after. Oh, right. Hated it. You still hate Deep Red? Yeah, I hated it. That, uh, for me, like, it hasn't even got the visuals, so there's nothing in that for me. Like with this one, it's, it is incredibly well shot. It's really nice to look at, and it does create a really good atmosphere, um, which is obviously what, what what holds a lot of people. That's the kind of thing that when I finished watching the film, I thought, well, that was not, wasn't a total washout because I didn't, you know, my eyes really enjoyed it, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Deep Red for me had, had literally nothing. Like, and I've told you like the history, um, for brief history for the listeners, I tried to watch Deep Red about four times and I turned it off every single time. I promised Duncan I'd watch it. Um, I bought it about three months ago um, and then I basically thought, right, I've, I've watched an Argento today. I'd actually watched Bird of the Crystal Plumage as well. Oh, I'm going to watch Deep Red um, and I'm going to get through it. And I just like... I, know, I just found it so boring. Like the, the the little twist thing where he kind of walks past the picture and it wasn't. Mm. The I thought that was just so contrived. I just thought, <laughs> shit. Why would well, you wouldn't remember that, right? I if, did. If, hey? I did when I saw it the first time. Um, no, no, I didn't him, realize the I didn't. The character I didn't, wouldn't remember that like that. You wouldn't look, walk past something and think it was a picture and about a week later go, oh no, there was a person there. You either see a person or you don't. Ah, but it's a horror movie, Andy. It's a yeah, horror movie. That... Like if someone, if there was a chainsaw killer in my house, I'd run at the front door, I wouldn't run upstairs. Yeah, true. But I just thought, you know, that for me, that was just piss weak. Oh like, no, I love that movie. I will not people have... Is, people had t- told me about that, how there's like a bit where he kind of remembers that he saw something wrong. And I yeah. thought, oh, this is going to, oh, that's going to be really interesting and that might turn the whole film around for me. But when it was just some weird old lady standing in a photograph, I just thought, no, fuck off. That's <laughs> what I thought to that. Um, so I gave that away. Deep Red went in, I donated a load of clothes to charity yesterday and Deep Red went in there with that. Um, <laughs> Infern- Inferno, I'm going to, obviously we'll give that away. We'll do that, in, we'll do that at the end of the show. Um, yes, yeah. Not a problem, not a problem. Right, we have one more movie review to do and then we'll have our little competition at the very end. 
You're going to hear some promos for shows on Horophilia. You're then going to hear people talking about The Killer Nun from 1979. Andy is kicking us off with this one right after the break. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is well, bigger. Well, we don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a light? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. The babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm, and it just melts in your mouth. Do the kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So find Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horrorfilia Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. The Killer Nun is an Italian nunsploitation movie set in a retirement home, where a number of the poor old residents are being randomly bumped off. First, let me tell you a little bit about nunsploitation movies. In its simplest term, it was a genre of film that emerged across Europe during the 60s and 70s, in which sexually repressed nuns find pleasure, not through God, but through other means, usually other nuns, random men, or even inanimate objects. Probably the most famous example is Ken Russell's The Devils from 1971. Anyway, back to this film. Director Giulio Berruti, a former altar boy, had previously worked as an assistant director and writer before trying his hand at directing. Alas, he has only one notable feature to his credit, and that's this one, which I think is something of a Euro cult gem. May his soul burn in hell. Just the thought of what he did to me makes me want to take revenge on all men. To snuff them out like he snuffed out no. my happiness. No, sister. That's enough. And welcome back. So our third movie of the show is uh, Killer Nun from 1979, which is an Italian movie, very loosely based, again, as with our uh, first film. <laughs> Very loosely based on the true story of a nun who became addicted to morphine after an operation um, and she would assist in the deaths of patients at the hospital where she worked in order to get money to fund her drug habit. Um, the IMDB one uh, is a little bit slightly different. It's a demented nun sliding through morphine addiction into madness while presiding over a regime of lesbianism, torture and death. <laughs> Sister Gertrude is the head nun slash nurse in a general hospital who's increasingly psychotic behaviour endangers the staff and patients around her. So this is basically be people being killed um, and it's been made to look like an accident, a bit like Freddy Krueger in the first yeah. couple of movies. Um, for me, this just didn't really follow through on its title. Yes, there is a nun killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the killing is implied. Uh, it's not very graphic. Even probably what should be the most graphic sort of talks about scene, which I think is on the, uh, I think it might be, uh, what's the name of the, the company, the, like the yellow box? Shameless. Shameless, is it? Yeah. I think it's the, yeah, I think it's the, 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 the front cover is this, this pin face killing, um, which is upsetting as that should have been, is just done quite badly, I think. Um, 
there are some funny bits in this, right? The hospital doctor literally goes mental at Sister Gertrude for exercising the people too hard. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> my God, sister, what are you trying to do to them? You're going to kill these people. And all she's doing is having clapping, like aerobics going, and one, and clap, and, and he goes berserk. It's like they're hardly doing burpees, are they? They're just clapping. And, he's, and he thinks she's going to murder them all. So that made me laugh. Um, and then Sister Gertrude watching her sit, trying to seduce a man with Jedi mind control in a hotel. <laughs> she's basically like, look, she's basically looking at him. He's at the bar, and she's going in her in her brain. Like we get to hear what she's thinking. She goes, turn around, turn around and look at me. And then and then like she goes, let Sister Gertrude make love to you. I thought, oh Jesus. <laughs> What a proposition. I mean, it does happen in the end. Um, I think he's more making love to her than the other way around. She's just kind of sitting in the doorway making noises. Um, <laughs> the acting's not bad, actually, in this. It's pretty well shot and directed and all that. Um, I think just given the provocativeness of the title, because obviously this is our first non-sploitation film, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. yeah. This is one of the early ones, actually. Yeah, and I've, I haven't really seen any of the others, um, but this... Is kind of it's got to be on the tamer side of the non-exploitation. I imagine yeah. I mean, it's got, you know, it's got a few of the bits in there that you might expect. You know, lesbianism between the nuns has got some nudity, a bit of violence and stuff. But kill a nun, for me, makes me think like hobo with a shotgun. Yes, yeah, I think there's a lot of them that go with that afterwards. When you think of uh, nude nuns with big guns and things like that, which definitely yeah. play more towards a kind of grindhouse sensibility. Um, yeah. The, the the name isn't great, and to be honest with you, I don't know why they just didn't do the, the direct translation from the Italian, which is Sister Murders. That's cool. That, you know what yeah, I mean? That's, that's the direct translation from the Italian. Obviously, how many people are going to see Sister Murders when they can go and see the killer nun? Um, yeah. If you know what I mean, so it's it, it comes back to that. Yeah, I, I I had seen this movie before. I saw it a while ago, and I remember quite digging it. And my opinion has maybe lessened slightly, but I don't dislike this movie. I think there there definitely there definitely is a lot in it which which kind of ticks off my enjoyment of Italian. Italian cinema. I think it's yeah. shot. I think it's shot pretty well. I think um, the acting is above average for for what you would expect from a movie like this. I think the story's quite interesting as well, and I know it's kind of loosely based on on real events, but that you would never think like today when we think about it, there have been plenty of killers in the medical profession or in positions of authority um, one of the most infamous being from the UK Harold Shipman oh, who had a care Jesus. of duty over people who killed people you know just injections of, of morphine and things like that just to take them over the edge and mm. you know there's the, he got away with it for so long because people would never suspect a doctor of being capable of, of, capable no, of someone mean, who's, did you remember the angel of death as well yes oh yes she was a fucking lunatic. She basically, for anyone that doesn't know about this story, she'd induce, um, like, a, you know, people who've got diabetes. Mm -hmm. She'd basically induce, uh, like, a diabetic coma and bring people to the brink of death so she could run in and save them and be, like, the hero of the piece. And she did that loads. So she basically gets to the point where she would run in. She'd go, right, don't worry, everyone, I know what's wrong. She'd inject them with, like, you know, the, um, uh, what's it called? Insulin. Yeah, and, and basically literally bring them from the, you know, they were like seconds away from dying and she would save them. 
and she did it all the time. And I don't know why people didn't get suspicious, really. It's a bit mental, but, you know, and, and she'd basically fuck up quite a bit as well and mm-hmm. people would die before she had a chance to save them. Um, I think she even did it to, like, someone's family dog as well. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. It's a sense of, of kind of morbid godlike power. Um, and yeah. you would never once again think about think about the time period. I mean, nowadays, yeah, corruption within like the church and all the rest is more a prominent everyday event. It's, it seems like every other week mm-hmm. there's a story about some sort of abuse of power within the church and and whatnot that you would never think a nun would do something like so I, I find that aspect of the story intensely fascinating. Yeah. I don't think it's particularly handled well throughout it, but I think a lot of that is is down to what the director is trying to do. I, I think the director is deliberately trying not to offend in this movie. Okay. Which is really strange because if I was him I'd go all out you know, I would make this movie incredibly offensive to the church. To and you've got to take into account as well he's Italian, Italian standing within the church, exact you know, etc. How how heavily Catholic that culture is that maybe he didn't want to go too far or, or whatnot. Maybe but this movie might ruin his career. Perhaps. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think what this movie is crying out to be a bit more exploitative, a bit more graphic. Um, a bit more mean, I think, above all else, is what this movie really needs to inherit a title like The Killer Nun. It doesn't quite have it. I don't hate it, though. I'd, I'll be honest. I'd, I think um, it runs maybe a wee bit too long as well, personally. and It is quite a short movie, but out with the slight pacing issues, it's not a bad movie. Um, it's just a movie that I don't think has particularly aged well. And because the whole non-exploitation thing has exploded up around it, you just got directors who were prepared to... This is the danger of being one of the early ones, is after that, people start building on things, taking yeah. that as like a base template and then pushing it in different directions. And that's that's what's happened since. So it does, it does come across as a very tame movie, which probably was very taboo at the time it came out. Mm. So, I mean, people are going to get the knickers in a twist whenever you bring religion into play, aren't they? People get very touchy about that. Yeah. Um, you know, you mustn't ridicule religion. So, can if I want, you know, it's like <laughs> if some if you are going to like make ridiculous claims about certain things, then people are going to ridicule it and take you to task on it. I don't think it's fair that. I mean, a lot more to be honest. You seem to be able to take the piss out of Christianity a hell of a lot more than you can take the piss out of something like Islam. Oh God, yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah. and I don't really know why that is, but it just, you know, and this is just another thing where people instantly go, oh, God, no, you can't say anything bad about nuns. Well, mm. you can, because it's just a film, like, don't worry about it. I mean, and like you say, back in the 70s, people didn't even think that, you know, back, dodgy things were happening within the religious community, but now, thanks to, uh, you know, media and, you know, things like Facebook and Every, it's blown up everywhere, isn't it now? Like nobody can do anything, which is good. I mean, a lot yeah. less people are now getting away with stuff that they were, you know, they shouldn't be getting away with. Um, thanks to the fact that you literally can't hide from anything now. Even if you don't read newspapers, shit's going to come out on Facebook, and that's kind of where a lot of people get their news from and stuff now. So, yeah, you're always going to get that when religion comes into play. You're always going to get people sort of up in arms about it. But I mean, this thing is just. Killer Nun's obviously been put on there as a way to sell the movie. I think this guy was genuinely just trying to retell a story. I don't imagine... I mean, 
there is the exploitation that you know there's the lesbian side of it and the nudity and stuff but I don't think he was going for full-on non-exploitation when he made this I think he was just you know he's probably quite intrigued by the story because it is based on a true story um but there's not a lot in it, is there? I mean, like I said at the beginning, a lot of the killing is just implied. You don't yeah. even really particularly get to see any gore. I mean, a guy kind of gets thrown off a, about a four-storey um, balcony head first, and he, not a lot's wrong with him when he lands at the bottom, which is obviously really unrealistic. <laughs> and then the worst bit is meant to be this, like, pins-in-the-face scene, which is kind of interspliced with other bits of the film. Like, you don't... I, I can't remember what it keeps cutting back to now, but... Yeah, it's a woman getting pins stuck in her face. And it should be really brutal, that. But it's just done quite badly, and it's just not that convincing. And that's probably the worst bit of the movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. I think there's there's things in this movie that could have just been... A, it could have been better, and I think it's almost a victim of the time it came out and just the the fact that they are kind of charting some sort of new territory with the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like I say, don't don't hate it. Um, in terms of grading, where do you come in with the killer nun? Um, uh, maybe just a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think a, the same. It's very tame. It is very very tame. But I don't think it's a case dismissed the way the other one was. No, I mean we'll give it a, a slap on the wrist. It's there is some you know there is some stuff in there. I mean pins in the face. It, as badly as it's done, it is quite nasty for someone. You know, I think. She can't really speak, can she? It's just some like little, this, like crippled old lady that they're doing it to, which is pretty brutal. But whether it should have been on the list or not, certainly shouldn't have been on the original list. And I can, although I can see why it's on this list, it really shouldn't have been on this one either. Yeah, I'm hundred percent with you on that one. Um, absolutely, yeah. And our grading has been on point for all three films as well. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Right. So, final break. And then uh, competition time, surprise competition um, for you, the listeners out there, to win Andy's very own special, cared after, massaged every day. You know when you see something on eBay and they go, watched once, and you go, no you haven't, you've probably watched it loads. (laughs) What difference does it make if somebody's watched the disc once or they've watched it ten times? Yeah, it depends how well you've cared for it. It's like a bit like an item of clothing, only worn once. Think, no, you haven't. Why would you just wear something once? And yeah, it's you're like worn once, and you think to yourself, "There's a yeah, that that's cool." But did you wear it during that fucking sports event I did at the weekend? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because someone who only wore it like a hundred times in the house while sitting on the couch watching movies is going to be in better condition. So. Yeah. Yeah. It. So um, this this is genuinely a watched once perfect <laughs> condition Blu-ray. So yeah, t- stay tuned to find out how you can win that. Right, so we're going to take a short break. We're going to be right back after this. The Nanoazer is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazell, I think we should record a new ad for Bananaazer. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Bananaazer Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. 
We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ads should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between-isodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. Banana laser wins every time. And welcome back. So thanks for sticking with us tonight. Obviously, we had Inferno, which was a heavy hitter. Um, and these films, they are getting, they are tapering off. I think um, yeah. they win in the quality, but that was always going to happen. You know, I think we did have a few at the beginning that kind of surprised us, but. There are definitely some really good ones coming up. Um, I've been looking. I'm so excited for next week, and I really hope it's not a role reversal where you hate <laughs> the movie and I love it because although I've only seen this movie once, um, The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue or uh, Let's Sleep in Corpses Lies, it's also known. Mm-hmm. I watched it once and I thought it was brilliant, and I've since bought the Blue Underground Blu-ray. That's high. I haven't watched it, and I don't think you have either, because I was, um, no. as, as with a couple of the films that I've um, bought a lot well in advance, I'm, I'm deliberately saving them uh, as something to look forward to and, and to watch, you know, in, purely for this show. And I really hope you like it, and I really hope it's as good as I remember it being as well. I really do. Um, so we've yeah. got that one coming up. Uh, what else have we got next week? We've got some more obscure stuff, I think, that I've basically... Yeah, there's a more Italian horror here in Giallo. Uh, late Night Trains, which I actually own. Um, 88 Films put it out. It looks and pretty the, good. Uh, yeah, The Night Train Murders. So yeah. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Finally, actually, it's still in cellophane. So I, I'm looking forward to cracking that one out to, to check it out. And Nightmare Maker, which I know nothing about from no. 1982. Me neither. Um, so yeah, there's a definitely a good film next week. Potentially two, potentially three, but I doubt it. Probably two. Oh, that would be great if we could we could come back next week and just gush over three movies. Yeah, because it has become it's been tapering off. But like we say, it was always going to do that. Um, and every now and again, a, a hidden gem will pop up in this final list. Um, and we've pretty much got at least one decent film running. I don't know how strong we're going to finish because I've not heard of any of the uh, the final, final three. Uh, I've, I've watched Zombie Creeping Flesh, flesh before. Okay. So. Uh, it's not bad. It's not great. Uh, yeah, so exciting stuff. We've now got a giveaway for Inferno. Now, this has literally been watched once, so it's in perfect <laughs> condition. It's got a nice little booklet with it. Obviously, the transfer is phenomenal, um, and there's some really good little special features on there as well. If you're interested in the making of Inferno and kind of how it came to be, um, then there's some really good stuff on here. Um, so, as we've done before, um, I'll probably just mention this is a region-locked European Blu-ray, so please only enter if you've got either a region-free player um, or you are in Europe and you've got you know your region B I will happily ship it abroad so obviously if any of our American listeners or listeners from anywhere else in the world have got a region B um, player or you know multi-region then yeah please feel free I will ship it anywhere the and the, the question is uh, do you want this do you want it I don't want it so do you want it if you do want it then just come on the uh, Facebook page doing the nasty on Facebook and just say you want it and if you do 
I'll um, pick a name at random. Um, so we announce it on the next show. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think I think what we'll do is by time of recording for the next show. So when this show drops, which will be Monday, um, we tend to record about a week after that. So you have a week. So be quick off the mark. We'll obviously we'll post on the Facebook page at the Facebook group that there will be a competition going to be running, and you have a week from the date of the show going out to enter it. And then when we record, uh, we will announce the winner then, and we'll get details and all that. Yeah. Cool. Awesome, awesome, yeah, so we will be back in two weeks' time um, for another three, or our fifth last show, uh, so close to that end line, um, I never would have thought that I would actually have the chance to sit down and watch all 72 movies on the nasty list, um, and it's a huge achievement, I think, I, I think the more I've been thinking about it, the, the more I, I kind of thought to myself, this is the sort of thing that I would probably never have done had I not been doing it for a show. No, you wouldn't. I don't think so, no. I would have come across one or two that really sucked and thought, I'm not doing this. Uh, you know what I mean? Or I would have switched certain movies off. Um, that I never would have thought that I would have got you know, so close to the end of the, the oh, video yeah. nasty list. And I think it's it's cool. It's another thing you can tick off. And if you've been yeah. following through with the movies, like we have, people like Andy Clark and stuff, uh, I know like listeners like Rob Wilson have seen them all already. Um, yeah. If you've been going through, like Jeff the Goat as well, uh, if you've been going through all these, then it's one of these things, it, it, it documents uh, a really, really important historical time period in, in the UK, mm. uh, which is still, I mean, on some level, the, the, the message behind it has still never really changed. I mean, governments are still trying to control what you can and can't see. Yeah. Um, and... It, it's wrong. It's, it's very much wrong. Um, and th- this, this unfortunately, is the, the greatest highlight of when a witch hunt becomes a proper witch hunt. So, the, yeah, we've said before, there are certain movies on this list that we have said, yeah, deserve to be on the video nasties list. There's not been many of them, but we've said, yeah, if there was a chance that a kid could have stumbled across this movie, we would have said that, yeah, that was inappropriate. <laughs> However... The, the the vast majority of these movies, like two we covered tonight, shouldn't have even been on the list at all. And this is what happens when hysteria kicks in and people start grabbing at anything that they can lump in the pile of of VHSs which were burned. And I think that's uh, the more the closer we're coming to the end, the more I'm kind of reflecting over over what we've done. Uh, oh, oh yeah, especially now we're in this second phase. Yeah, there's just so much tame stuff on there, burning them. I mean, these obviously never got prosecuted, but. Yeah, just the concept of like incinerating movies. It's just yeah. insane. It's, it's, it's barbaric, you know, on some level. it's. Well, I've said it before, I said it right at the very start, it's what the Nazis did to books. Yeah. It's what ISIS is doing right now to to, to religious documents and monuments, you know. It's, yeah. it's this kind of trying to wipe out things from history altogether, which, you know, stand against your doctrine. Um, and yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where where things go in the last couple of episodes. Like Andy says, there are some really interesting movies which I have not seen that I know of by reputation, which I'm looking forward to checking out. And uh, hopefully you guys will stick along for the ride. Um, not long left now. Andy, mm. my friend, my, my colleague, my yep. co-host, my compadre, my brother from another mother, um, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners? Please? I would. Goodbye, listeners. See you in a couple of weeks. See you later. Inferno competition. Yeah, apply for it. Stay as you want it.
Bye. Bye. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mr. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.